You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Before we get to this week's episode of Assembly Call Radio, a quick word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. Whether you are headed to a baseball game or to a concert this summer, or just anxiously awaiting football season, SeatGeek has you covered. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. That's actually why I use them when I bought, I've told you before about how I bought Ed Sheeran concert tickets for my wife. And that was one of the reasons why I really liked using SeatGeek because it was at an arena that I didn't really know about. And so being able to have a Raider like that, where based on the price and based on where the ticket is, you could see if you were really good and good value because those were pretty expensive tickets. It was really nice to be able to do that. So I appreciated that. And I used SeatGeek before. I've certainly used them since. And so that's why I like having them as a sponsor and why I feel comfortable uh, recommending them to you. And I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. Uh, Again, it is the easiest way that I found to shop for tickets. Uh, And so I suggest that you should do it as well. And best of all, since you're a listener to the Assembly Call, you get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 88th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 419th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, August 9th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Well, not a lot to choose from this week, which isn't all that surprising given that we are in the dog days of August, waiting for the players to return to campus and for practice to begin, and waiting patiently for the next big positive announcement on the recruiting trail. 
I suppose there were a few small little recruiting nuggets this week that were positive for Indiana, and that cumulatively, I guess, kind of adds up to a banner moment. So as I explained in a few of our new Banner Morning episodes this week, James Booknight, a tough scoring guard out of Massachusetts, seems excited about visiting Indiana, according to a report by Adam Zagoria on his blog, so that's good. Zeke Naji, a lanky, lanky forward from Minnesota who has interest from Kansas and Arizona, among many others, has an unofficial visit to Bloomington coming up, as Corey Evans reported for Rivals, and Cathedral's Armand Franklin set his official visit date for the weekend of August 24th through the 26th, as reported by Jenk Weingarten of Star Stock risers. And more importantly, Trace Jackson Davis announced his top six schools, and much to no one's surprise, Indiana was among the top six. Also included were UCLA, Iowa, Wake Forest, Michigan State, and Purdue. Now, Indiana has been perceived as the clear leader for Jackson Davis for a while now, so no one is going to get too excited until an actual commitment is made. Still, being included in the five-star forwards top six is much better than not being included. So for now, until a more meaningful announcement gets made, that will have to do for this week's Banner Moment. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. It is not Andy Bottoms, who requested the night off to celebrate his anniversary with his wife, Jen. Mrs. Bottoms is awesome. Indeed, which is why we were very happy to grant Andy's request for the evening. Hey, put Jen on the phone. I want to talk to her. Uh, no. So filling in for Andy tonight, he has an India or he was an Indiana high school basketball head coach for 10 years and is currently an assistant basketball coach at Western High School. He's the host of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. He is the founder of the top ranked Delphi Bracketology Club. And in a surprise recent announcement, he was named president of the Hoosier Hysteria Spirit Committee. I don't like Hoosier Hysteria. <laughs> Who saw that coming? He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Well, man, it's a lull for Indiana, you know, basketball news right now. The players are home, and we're a couple months away from that awesome event of Hoosier Hysteria, and, and the excitement is building down here in the man cave. Um, but the, the thing that I'm thinking about is this. Coaching is 365 days, and you got me on as the coach. I'm always going to talk uh, what I what limited information I know about coaching. It's a 365-day job and and Archie and his staff don't have the players in town right now uh to work with them but they're working on stuff to make Indiana basketball uh, a very special place again and the sixth banner uh working towards that sixth banner and as a coach myself and as we're working on our high school program now and and looking at strategy and and things that we want to implement in our program it is with a lot of uh excitement to know behind the, those office doors at cook hall there is a lot of good work because our ball coach is at work with the great staff and so that that brings me excitement to see how has he evaluated these players over the summer what's he going to put in what wrinkles are he going to use from his personal philosophy on offense and defense. And uh, I guess we'll start seeing that uh, at the event uh, on September 29th. What event is that again? Uh, Hoosier Hysteria, I believe. <laughs> and to my right, he is a columnist for the big lead, a co-host for The Hangover. And he is a man who was just absolutely tickled pink when it was discovered that a glitch in the new Madden game has the announcers introducing fans to a Chargers game in San Diego instead of L.A. Oh, it felt so good. He is Ryan Phillips. I almost that died. I thought I was going to die. I mean, I've almost died a lot. <laughs> By the way, somebody was murdered. I do what's best for the show. Ryan, was what is best. your rant this week? <laughs> that was the best moment of the week. I'm sorry. The Chargers thing was amazing. 
just perfect. <laughs> uh, really, there's nothing going on. This has been a really slow week for Indiana basketball, so I, I'm not really sure there's much to rant about. Uh, great, I great, guess, great intro to build. Well, build I, I'm just like, no, we've got a lot. In the I said show. it too. So. <laughs> I, I no, I we've got a lot in the show to talk about. I'm just talking about as far as like something to react to this week, as yeah. typically is what this segment is for, and there really isn't much. Uh, maybe that's the rant: is hey, let's get us some news of the good variety. Of yeah. course. Uh, is if it's quiet, that's usually not a bad thing uh, when it comes to college athletics in the offseason. So uh, really not a whole lot going on. Very excited for, you know, when these guys come back to campus, get back in, we'll start seeing some more workout videos and things of that nature, I'm sure. Uh, but right now is very much a dead period until, you know, they move in back on campus. So uh, let's let's just hope that it, it remains quiet while it should be quiet uh, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. All right. Well, here's what we are going to talk about this week. We're going to talk a little bit about recruiting. Is there any cause for panic? Uh, we got a couple questions in on Twitter with people that seemed a little bit concerned. Is that reasonable at this stage? And then, of course, we will talk about the NCAA big rule change announcements, what they mean, what you should pay attention to. We'll give our reactions to that. Uh, and depending on how that segment goes, we may do our Clifton Moore offseason analysis in segment three, because obviously there's just not, not, not that much to go off of because we haven't seen a ton of Clifton yet. So we may talk about him and then we will, of course, answer your questions as we always do. All of that coming here on this edition of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, before we get to all that, I do have a quick reminder for you about a great way to shop online for tickets. That's the boring part when everyone leaves. Yes, thanks, Coach. Uh, remember this URL, iutickets.shop. It will take you right to SeatGeek, where you can immediately find the best deals on IU basketball tickets, as well as IU football tickets, concert tickets, and other live events. And as a bonus, use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $20 back after your first purchase. And when you use that URL, iutickets.shop, to buy tickets, hopefully tickets that you were going to buy anyway, we get paid a commission for referring you. And frankly, it's a pretty nice sized commission. So it can really have a big impact on helping us cover the cost of running the show, costs like website hosting, podcasting equipment, and paying for Coach Tonsoni's security detail at Hoosier Hysteria this year. When I go to Buffalo, they'll be throwing chicken wing bones at me. <laughs> Once again, the URL is iutickets.shop. That's iutickets.shop. Thank you. All right, you are listening to Assembly Call Radio. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And guys, let's let's talk a little bit about recruiting, you know, because we talk about how there isn't much to react to, isn't much news going on. And part of that is is that, you know, there haven't been any big commitments, any big, you know, kind of summer recruiting splashes. And we got these two questions in today on Twitter. And what's funny about it is they came like back to back, one right after another. So Mark says, did Archie turn too quickly to recruiting highly ranked players where we seem to be struggling to get signees? Do we need to demonstrate success before focusing so much on recruits uh, that it appears we will not sign? And then Matt says, did Archie overshoot with the 2019 class? Early offers and interests were all the top 50 prospects. While we're in good shape with Trace and Keon, we seem to be scrambling to land a quality guard. Our targets are now in the 50 to 150 range, yet we still don't appear to be leading for any. So, uh, Ryan, I want to know what you think about this, because to me, uh, you know, you kind of look at some of this stuff, and, and I think it's important to remember, number one, that the 2019 class is thin on guards from the Midwest. We knew that. So Carton was kind of the guy, if you were going to get an elite guard, uh, you know, to come to Indiana out of this class. And we had a real shot with him, but we just missed. He picked Ohio State. That's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I think... 
the, the trace and the key on recruitments have been so high profile and been going on for a while now, it's almost like we kind of take for granted that we're in really good position with those guys. That's not something to be glossed over. Like, while we can lament that there hasn't been a big commitment and we're all kind of anxious for it, Indiana's in really good position for two high-quality five-star in-state guys, and that's huge. You know, those are the guys that we want Archie to be targeting. So I get the concern, especially with backcourt guys, but I feel like just in the absence of a big commitment, you know, maybe we're being a little bit impatient, overreacting just a bit uh, to what's happening recruiting-wise right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Trace and Keon, if you go back a year, were the two guys everybody said you got to get or you got to at least be close with. And you got to get one of them, I would say, was a definite thing. Whereas, you know, you got to at least be in the mix for both of them. And, and that's where Indiana is right now. Indiana is where it needs to be. People also need to remember that Indiana just brought in a really big class. So they're not going to take five guys this year. It's just not, that's not the way it works. And, and they just brought in a huge number of guys who are sort of a program table setting class. And got the and, two best guards in the state. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, it, you know, you're, you're right when you say it's not a huge guard year for the Midwest. It really isn't. And you kind of have to work with what you've got. Luckily, I think Archie and staff got some versatile guys who can play on the perimeter Maybe that's not their initial position when they come into college, but are versatile enough to be able to pull out, maybe play some perimeter uh, positions and, and you know fill those holes if they don't get a top guard this year or a guard that you know we like. And again, if you get two five star, let's just say you get Keon and Trace Jackson Davis, it doesn't matter who else you get. That's a great recruiting class. Uh, but you would, of course, like to get another guard because of the way this stacks up. But at the same time, it's hard to convince guys to come to play when Robert Finnessy looks like the point guard of the future, Devontae Green's still going to be around. Uh, Al Durham looks like he's still going to be around. You've got uh, you know Hunter and Smith and all these other guys who are all going to be in the mix and can play on the perimeter some. It's it's you know it's not easy to convince guys to come and sit and wait, especially top tier guys. DJ Carton wanted to go somewhere and start, and and that's what he did where he went. And uh, so I would say that yeah, you've got to sort of understand last year's class when you take into account this year's class and maybe even next year's class, you know, these things are all interrelated. And I would say that Indiana is probably right where they need to be right now. Missing out on DJ Carton's a bummer, but he was the guy you kind of go all in with because as you said, top guard in the Midwest. Uh, and no, I don't think it's people say like, did, did he turn one of the questions from Marks is did he turn too quickly to going after highly ranked players? Well, the highly ranked players are all in the region. It's not like he's going to New York to get a guy or Florida or wherever. They're all in the region, and these are guys you'd go after if they were four stars or you know ranked because those are the guys nearby. And, well, and we so, have expanded out like with Trey Mann in Florida and Anthony Harris and Book Knight and some of those guys you know that now we are trying to target. But, but given but given what Indiana is, we all know that if you get those guys on campus in October or for Hoosier Hysteria or whatever, there's always a really good chance that they'll fall in love and sign it. I mean, San Diego Robert, guy, Robert Johnson got came, Troy Williams came. I mean. No you know, Vonley. I mean, yeah. Thomas Bryant, you know, San Diego guy got on campus. Loved it. You know, San I Diego mean, chicken. Hey, watch it. That's my hometown. <laughs> you're talking about, and you're going to be here in a few weeks. I am. Uh, but I, yeah. So I would say that I think, look, yeah, you've got to expand the reach when the local guys aren't there. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it, it, that's also the way recruiting works. If you get a kid on campus, maybe you can snag him. Coach, are you concerned at all? Or do you, do you think things are going as they should be? Not 
not one bit uh, a concern and concerned at all. And it's just the opposite of my Hoosier hysteria. I, I have a mad crush on Archie Miller and mad trust with, with Archie Miller. He's been here uh, since 2017. He's been here a year and a half and he, and he gets a, a class that we're very excited about. And Romeo Langford, he gets into the, the last three with the five-star guard in Carton and just comes up short. Uh, most college coaches are scrambling in that first year to build relationships in state and to sell their uh, vision of their new program. And, and basketball recruiting is about relationships. It starts early on, sometimes in the middle school, even with coaches recommending to, to college coaches, Hey, watch this player. And, so, you know, when the freshman and sophomore and, and the coaches start watching them and they have them down for unofficial visits and so forth, and sometimes recruiting is a two, three-year process, and Archie's only been there 18, 19 months, and he's in, getting five stars and and the crystal balls are looking good. It is actually beyond where I probably expected him, even though I am highly biased in, in his behalf. So I don't think he's turning to five stars too, too quickly. I think he has to, because we want to win a six banner. And I think he's, he's a guy who knows he needs to have the players uh, to, to compete at that level and to get Indiana back uh, to blue blood status. So you've got to go after those. And when you go after those, you are going to swing and miss. And in this day and age of, uh, 24 hour news cycles. It's, it seems like it's a vital importance, uh, when we lose someone and it's just hypersensitive a lot because we care, uh, as fans and, but the Indiana basketball program is headed in the right direction recruiting wise, uh, from my vantage point. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like because of his early success, you know, he created this expectation, like, here we go. It's going to be a top five class every single time now. Cause you know, we got Romeo, we had this great first class. And, you know, those expectations are up. And so it's almost like if we don't have that big news item, people feel like the momentum is is a little bit down. But I think we just Ooh. have to have a little bit of patience. And I think while there hasn't been a commitment yet, there are still enough good signs to, you know, coaches, you said, absolutely believe that this thing is still right on the right track, probably even further along than where you might have reasonably expected it to be when he took the job. People are underrating the class from last year. I mean, you know, it's a everyone talks about Romeo, but the depth of that class and the ability of that class, that's going to sustain Indiana for a long time. So you can afford to take some shots and miss. Yeah, no, you and want remember to race Thompson was in it. I mean, yeah, that's the other thing is that race Thompson was technically not a part of that class, but he really was because yeah. he came in early and you look at, you know, again, Jerome Hunter was a guy who I think if he played in Indianapolis, he would have been rated much higher than he was, but he didn't play against the same level of competition that, that some of the other guys did. And I also think that if there had been, if there was a four-star guard like a Robert Finnessy this year, Indiana would have gone all in on him, you know, like a point guard like that. Well, you I got Newman would, and Franklin, and we're in sure. decent position with those guys. But I mean, so. if they were, if if there was that guy that was like a standout in the area, you yeah. know, with an Indiana pedigree, I think that they would have been all in on him over Carton, or or even with you know side by side with Carton. Uh, but there just wasn't that guy standing out at the time. So I, I think yeah. that has a lot to do with why they went after that. Yep. I felt like we had an amazing conversation on all levels. Thank you, Coach. We appreciate that. All righty. Uh, coming up, we will give our IU-centric take on the NCAA rule changes that were announced on Wednesday afternoon. What impact would the new rules have? What should you as an IU fan be paying attention to? We will discuss all of that. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call.
You are listening to The Assembly Call, a weekly show about IU basketball, plus a post-game show that goes live during the season as soon as every IU basketball game ends. If you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of The Assembly Call, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call, or you can watch our live video broadcast on Thursday nights and after all IU games on YouTube. And by the way, the YouTube broadcasts also feature the between-segment banner that doesn't make it into the radio or podcast edit of the show. And last week, that included an epic rant about Hoosier hysteria by coach, which included this not-so-pleasant reminder about why Indiana needs to take all of its preseason practice opportunities seriously. So we don't get beat by Indiana State by 21 points in the first game. Absolutely. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, go to youtube.com slash assembly call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And guys, let's talk about the NCAA rule changes. And I don't think we need to go through every single one because I think by this point, you know, most people who are interested in this will have read and kind of gotten the big picture of it. But, you know, I want to kind of look at it from a big picture perspective and especially what you know, what Indiana fans should really be paying attention to when it comes to this. And I think, you know, the first thing for me that really stands out is that, you know, you might read the headlines, you know, players can have agents, undrafted players can go back to school. And what's what's really key here is that the devil is in the details. And when you read the analysis from college basketball experts, you know, people who really dig into this stuff, you know, the, the big thing that you're seeing is that, you know, really none of these changes are going to actually fix the big problems that this Rice Commission was created to fix, you know, namely the illicit under-the-table payments. Uh, and and even some of the changes that make sense, right, like the one about undrafted players, in practice isn't going to have that big of an impact because of the stipulations in place. So, for example, an undrafted player has to have had an NBA combine uh, draft combine invite. And most players who get a combine invite end up actually getting drafted. So that's not going to affect many players. It's a good rule change, but it's not going to affect as many players as it could if there were fewer stipulations on it. Uh, and then some of the changes, like players being able to have agents, number one, it's kind of hard to figure out when that's actually going to happen. And number two, it could actually cause more problems than they solve because of the incentives that are created You know, when you look at how this is actually going to go into practice. So it's one of those things that it's made a big splash. Not all the changes were bad. Some of them were good. But it really seems like more window dressing than really trying to solve the underlying issues. Was that kind of your take on it, Ryan? And, and, and were there any changes that that stuck out um, to you that are good, bad that you you know? They're just they're, about? Con- they're confusing. The, you know, I mean, it just it is because it, and you're not sure who it's benefiting. If it's benefiting the schools to be able to say, hey, this takes the pressure off of us to monitor everything. Or is it going to benefit the players because they have more options in theory? But in practice, I'm not really sure if if that's what happens here, if it just looks the same. And also, a lot of these won't go into effect until the NBA and the NBA Players Association signs on. And, and that could be five years down the road. We don't know. Or, or until like U- USA Basketball realizes they're involved in this because apparently they didn't. Yeah, know. they didn't. They weren't <laughs> even consulted, which makes no sense. This needs to be any changes to this system need to involve everybody. They need to bring everybody to the table. They need to bring. Hey, I'll even say it. They need to bring the AAU people, like leadership people, to the table and say, "Okay, you know what's going on is shady. How do you? What do you propose to fix it?" They need to bring the NBA to the table. They need to bring all the college. They need to get top college coaches involved in this, not just the NCAA administrators and the and the heads of the the school. You know, bring these guys together and say, okay, let's 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 call amnesty here. 
why are you paying kids or why are you involved with paying kids? Like, what are the reasons? Why are the shoe companies? Why do they have so much influence? Sit everybody down at the table, get them all involved and, and, you know, make this whole thing, make this a comprehensive fix that involves everybody, not just college administrators. And, and that's what bothers me about it, is it just seems like the college administrators are like, all right, we're making these changes. Now you can't blame us when it's a dirty pool. Um, uh, because we all know that's not the case. It's, you know, colleges making rules. There's always loopholes. There's always ways around them. And there's always ways people will get around the rules and cheat. That's, I mean, there's like a whole cottage industry of people trying to figure out how to break the rules, as we found out with the shoe company uh, scandal that, that broke last year. So I, I don't know. Cash. I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, to me, it doesn't really change much unless everybody's involved and everybody's on the same page. Now, I'm curious. I don't know if you read into the details about how NCA enforcement will, will will change, but apparently, you know, some of the rule changes are they don't have to like double verify something. So if the FBI says something, they can just take that as the gospel of what happened, and it will be in coaches' contracts now that they have to comply with NCA investigations and you know turn over evidence. And so it's kind of like how they're getting around not having subpoena power. Dan yeah. Wetzel wrote a great article about how this was really a big money grab. And what's interesting is this part of it, I think is really being underplayed because the big headlines are players can get agents, you know, undrafted players can come back. But as you start to dig into it, it almost seems like what's going to happen on the enforcement side and really sticking looking it to a coaches. lot like the NFL. Yeah. Well, you know, and Just look, and execution. Yeah. Like I don't, place. I don't have a big problem with there being harsher penalties on coaches who cheat. Like I think that's okay, but it does really scare me when the NCAA is taking more power because they haven't proven that they should be trusted with it, especially when it comes to investigations and enforcement. Yeah. And when you look at the investigations, I mean, you know, the, the NCAA wound up getting sued by Penn state. They wound up getting sued by uh, a coach at U USC, they wound up getting sued because, and, it, and the things that came out in those cases were in the Miami case as well. The things that came out were that the NCA was doing unscrupulous things to, you know, and, and likely overstepped its bounds. And, you know, I mean, it's fairly obvious that's what happened. And if you give people that power, they will abuse it. It's only a matter of time. They may go in with the best of intentions, but they're going to abuse it eventually. So I agree with you on that. That that aspect of it is a problem, especially now that it's been shown that schools can sue the NCA and be successful to some degree. That's going to create situations where you, know, you have a, a, a punishment and then it gets put on hold for seven years while the thing works its way through the courts. I mean, it, you know, that's that's not that's not good for college athletics to have these big cases hanging over. It's got to be something where everybody agrees or there's some kind of, you know, mechanism in place to find an arbitration or, or find, you know, an independent group to, to evaluate these things. Yeah. You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni talking about the NCA rule changes that were announced this week. Coach, I want to get your perspective on kind of the coaching side of this, both the high school angle and the, the college coach angle, uh, because, you know, the recruiting calendar is going to change uh, for college coaches. There's going to be now, you know, they're going to have some evaluation periods in April. Uh, high school players are now are going to be able to take a lot more official visits. They can actually, I think they get now 15 official visits. It's either 10 or 15, but they can visit the same school twice as long as it's That's not within. Crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot more. Now, I think 
the schools still have the same number. They have 28, something like that. But there will, you know, if you get a high profile prospect who wants to visit your school twice, you're going to let him. So it's, you know, th- that's going to cause a change for college coaches, not to mention, you know, some of the differences in how the July period goes. And now they're going to have to, you know, do some scouting at, at one of these big camps instead of just at the AAU tournaments. So I want to get your thoughts on that as well as how this might impact high school coaches, because it does appear that some of the responsibility to create some of these events is going to be turned back to high school coaches, which it seems like people have wanted because we all kind of assume that giving more influence to high school coaches is better than the grassroots coaches. But, you know, I guess the question is knowing how poorly this was implemented, were enough people consulted to where this is actually going to happen in an orderly organized fashion that doesn't end up hurting the process for the players and for the college coaches trying to scout them. Yeah, I think the implementation to me has been sketchy. Um, The reasoning behind it, I applaud. Uh, I I think there are two phases for me as a coach that's important. And I think one might be near impossible. Can we get money out of the system as much as possible? That might be near impossible. Uh, It's been with boosters in the past. It's been with some college coaches in the past. Now it's with shoe companies. Uh, That's been a difficult thing in recruiting for as long as I've been alive. But I think to make the sport better, we have to move in that way. So I applaud the NCA with an attempt. I don't applaud them with some of the implementation because, as as you said, it might cause even some more problems that aren't uh, haven't been thought of. Uh, the second thing is player evaluation, and for for a high school coach, that's two things. You you want your players to be seen and have a chance to go play college basketball if they're interested. Uh, and the second thing is, what's the best way for college coaches to properly evaluate the talent so they can make the best recruiting decisions? And so those things are the two things that I think the NCA should be concerned with. And I agree with Jared, you need to get people involved. You just can't drop a bombshell out there. If here's what we're going to do based on the commission and not have contact at the NBA and and, and some of those things. Um, so from, from the recruiting and the evaluation standpoint, uh, you know, if, if your favorite team and, and if it's Indiana and Archie Miller is only evaluating five weeks of AAU, he ought to be fired. Uh, Archie Miller uh, should be evaluating. How dare talent. you suggest somebody firing Archie Miller? <laughs> <laughs> uh, please. No, I just said I had a crush on him. So, um, but, but I'm saying that if he's only, if Playing he's only hard to get over there, <laughs> only evaluating talent five weeks at AAU events on the road, then, then he's really not doing the job that he needs to do for Indiana university. And, and, and that goes the same with Notre Dame and, and whatever else. It's a 365 day uh, evaluation. The evaluation is not just five on five. If that's the case, I can write every practice plan for the NCAA two o'clock stretch two fifteen, play five on five. And we'll decide what we're going to do on game night. Um, so the evaluation comes in, in, in skills, evaluation of the skills. It comes in character evaluation. Uh, your evaluation is talking to high school coaches, talking to a good AAU coaches who know the young man who wants to come to the program, uh, getting a feel for it. And, and then I think there's two parts of, of the player evaluation. It is, is this guy good enough to be on our hot board? And then there's the courting aspect. I'm sitting at your game. That means you're important to me. It's just like a text or it's like uh, some of the editing and the putting the kids in the the jerseys when they show up for their their visits. Uh, You know, you can still be seen at a team camp in June by the recruits you want to be seen by. You can still be seen at a basketball camp by the recruits. Is it the same? No, it, it, it might be more difficult 
to do, but we pay coaches millions of dollars to do their job and, and not to do it easy to, to do it well. And, and so if you're, you know, I always thought when I was a head coach, I'm going to outwork people within the rules. I'm going to outwork people. I'm going to watch more tape. I'm going to uh, go to clinics. I'm going to talk to more coaches. You cannot outwork me uh, was the attitude. That's a little cocky. So I don't care what the recruiting periods are. I'm going to use them to my advantage and I'm going to find an advantage uh, to them. So the, the woe is me. I can't go to Vegas and I can't go here and watch AAU games for five weeks. It just changes. And sometimes change is good. And this might be a bad change. So what? Go to work uh, you, for, for coaches. So, Okay, so it, it, which makes sense. So you're kind of saying that, you know, the, this whole storyline about how evaluation is going to be a lot harder is overblown because there's still ways to do good evaluation. Do you at all see this hurting lower profile prospects? Because it's like you've got, you know, the top 100 camp and, you know, the, you'll still have that one summer evaluation, you know, period where they can go to the Peach Jam and things like that. Those are a lot of the, the kind of the top of the top, you know, and you've already seen some mid-major coaches who have said, you know, I'm not going to nominate a guy that I like for a certain camp if he's off the radar because I don't want other coaches to see him. Um, so do you think it's at all going to hurt some of the lower, you know, tier prospects that really need to get seen? Um, or do you think that because there will be more of these, you know, maybe high school events that they'll be able to get more attention locally, just maybe they won't be able to get seen as much nationally? Yeah, that's that implementation uh, problem. You know, uh, are enough kids going to be seen that could have an opportunity to go play at D1 at, at maybe mid-major or smaller levels or a D2 or D3? That must be addressed, and that's where Ryan's idea of getting everyone involved is the right thing because it's about the players. Uh, my son played AAU for four years. We had to pay $400 to get shoes and to get uh, jerseys. We had to pay for hotel rooms. He was a 1,300-point scorer in the state of Indiana, shot 42% and didn't get too many offers because he just wasn't physically a college basketball player. Um, but he played AAU, and sometimes there were no coaches at his games. And he had division. He had small Division One. He had a, had a young man who went to Toledo on his team. So this whole idea that you're going to be seen and coaches line up on the baseline, they're going to see their guys on their board. And occasionally they'll hear a new player, and then they'll go um, – but yes, I do think it could hurt some of those lower tier, and that concerns me. But then let's get together with the, the players and, and all the people and find a way to, to have exposure camps and other things else where D2 and NAIA coaches uh, can, can, can see some of these players that might not be able to make it to, to some of these camps. And we're talking about one week. You know, there, there's still the two weeks in April and there's still the week in July for these AAU events where college coaches can come. Uh, it, it's a loss of two weeks in July and some weeks are reopened in different fashions. So I still think uh, young men of all levels of talent uh, has a chance to be seen. And if it's not, that's an implementation problem and it needs to be fixed. Yeah, I, I wanted to step in and say that it, it, one thing that I think and and coach brings up a great point is. Uh, coaches do have to do work and college coaches have to do work, but high school coaches, if you want your kids recruited, you got to do work too. get his name out there, send his tape to coaches, put his video up on recruiting sites, constantly ping that stuff and get him out there. You'll hear of coaches who are going to watch one player and wind up catching sight of another guy and fall in love with him. And he winds up uh, the guy they go after. And he did, you know, the coaches don't even know that other guy even existed. And, and you see that a lot. And, and the reason why is because these guys don't all get their 
information out there. Some of them play multiple sports and think they're better at one sport or the other, think they're going to, you know, might be a better football player than a basketball player, but they just, they have more potential at basketball. Coaches finally see them and, and realize that. So it's on both uh, the college coaches and the high school coaches to get that information out there. You got a kid you think can make it work hard and get him noticed. And, and there's ways to do that. Take him, call up schools in your area and take him on campus, introduce him to coaches, create relationships with those coaches. Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's a big part of this, that, that now there's going to be more of an onus on those high school coaches. Coach. That, and that's, you know, that's, you know, what I'm saying about outworking. It, my best player was a baseball player. It didn't play AAU back when I was at Northfield High School and we, we went to the semi-state. He was a thousand points, rebound, all this good stuff. And he, he wasn't seen. And I spent numer- that whole senior year sending stuff to him and coaches would call back. And then I, I made tapes in the old way, the VHS tapes and sent it to uh, players. Uh, there are a lot of coaches that don't, that once their player's done playing in March, they don't do that. Uh, there are a lot of coaches that do. And those are to be applauded. But there are some that, okay, you're done playing for our program. That's when the relationship ends. And the relationship really ends when you pass that person on. Uh, I, I was able to get an NAIA uh, spot for this player at Taylor University. Uh, and he played his sophomore through senior year, was a starter at, at Taylor, which is a very good local basketball program in the NAI division here in Indiana. And it takes some work. And I think coaches, uh, if this is a little more work, I, I don't find that as a reason to to shy away from it. If it hurts uh, players' uh, evaluability, yes, I, I think then it needs to be revamped. Real talk here on the Assembly Call. All right, coming up on the Assembly Call, we will talk about Clifton Moore. We didn't get to see much from Clifton during his freshman season, so he remains a mystery. What do we expect from him as a sophomore? We will discuss next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Welcome back. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Here is a little fun fact for you. In addition to our post-game show and weekly radio show, we have over 5,800 IU fans from around the globe who subscribe to our email newsletter. There's a high-level operation going on out there. And you can join, too. It is easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. You will get our weekly six-banner Sunday news roundups as well as our post-game analysis emails. Once the season begins, it is all free, and it will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. Again, go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 and join for free today. Make no excuses. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And guys, I want to talk about this anyway uh, this week, but we got a question about it. So it leads us into this segment perfectly. This question comes to us from Mike. So we'll just start the Q&A segment a little early here in the show. He wonders, are we sleeping on Clifton Moore? Conversation for bigs have been around. J-Mo, Fitzner, Race, Jake, and possibly Duran. Moore has a year in the system, bulked up, and seems to have good mobility. So, Ryan, the premise of this question, are we sleeping on Clifton Moore? You know, obviously, we've done these off-season player-by-player analyses for every player, and we kind of dig into the stats and talk about strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> I've kind of dreaded doing that for Clifton because I don't really know what to say. Like, I don't, you know, the numbers, you look at Synergy, he had 13 possessions last year, 0.462 points per possession, third percentile. 
you know, his Ken, like there's just, there's nothing there really to base it off I mean, what did he play in seven of. games, I yeah. think we said? And, it, and it was garbage time. He had, you know, the one moment where he had the two block shots that he looked good, but there's really, I feel like nothing that we really saw last year we can take too much from, except for the fact that he came in as a freshman and wasn't really ready to contribute. So it does feel like he will have to take kind of a quantum leap in his development with the addition of new talent this year to be ready to play. But if Duran is out for an extended period of time, maybe there's an opportunity for him. So, you know, what, if anything, did we learn about him last year and what are you expecting from him as a sophomore? Uh, he looks good in the uniform. I, I mean, what did we learn about him last year? We didn't really learn anything. And, uh, I, I think frankly, I, I believe the coaches thought he would contribute at some point and thought that they would get him in the rotation and which is why they didn't redshirt him because they would have just redshirted him if he wasn't going to play. And, and I think that they just, or maybe there was a commitment to him that he wouldn't redshirt. Maybe. I mean, one of the two, but I, you know, I think it's one of those things where if they did not intend to play him, they would have done what they did with Ray Thompson and just let him develop for a year. Uh, clearly that did not happen. He didn't get to a level where they thought he could get out there and help on the court. That doesn't mean he's not good and didn't get better. They just didn't think he was at a point where he could make a positive impact because let's face it last year, they would have done whatever they could to get an extra guy out there uh, to help the team. And Clifton wasn't that guy, apparently. Uh, but that said, if you look at who he was coming into school, uh, he was a guy who was 6'10", 220, could move, uh, could even shoot it a little bit, certainly had some skills, could get up and down the court, uh, and could block some shots. And, and so you got to think that there's enough talent there to certainly play and, and see some time, especially with Deron Davis down early in the year. You could be sleeping on Clifton Moore, but the thing is we just don't know because we don't have enough evidence of, of what he can or can't be. We have some quick clips from the offseason training stuff. I mean, but that's really it. And so without anybody who's been in practice coming out and saying, yeah, this guy is going to be great, we, we don't really have much to, to, to yeah. go on. And, and I would love to be able to sit here and give you a breakdown of what Clifton Moore can do. But the last time I have any, you know, video of him playing was February of his senior year. And, and that's, you know, over like a year and a half ago. So it's tough and it's a really hard evaluation to make. And it's something I think we've all kind of wanted to do because there is such a tantalizing skill set there for Clifton. But is it to a Big Ten level yet? Has he developed those raw tools to a Big Ten level? So hopefully, yeah. I mean, hopefully by midseason, that guy's, you know, the, can play center for you if Deron Davis is still out. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things I think we were all hoping to maybe hear some whispers about Clifton in the offseason. You know, we've heard Devontae Green has really, you know, kind of stepped up as a leader and taken it seriously. You hear about, you know, how talented Jerome Hunter is and some of the growth in Justin Smith. I personally, I, maybe you guys have, maybe other people have, I haven't really heard kind of any of those whispers about Clifton yet. And that doesn't mean, doesn't that, mean that he's happening. not. But you it would kind of feel that, a little bit better if you were yeah. hearing some of that stuff, you know? Well, so, and sometimes also coaches will leak the guys who they think maybe need a boost. You know, let's say Devontae has a rough day shooting and is down on himself. They'll go, hey, you know what? Devontae Green's been great this offseason. You really, you really think back- Devontae Green needs a confidence boost? No, but I'm just using him <laughs> as an example. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, coaches, there's reasons coaches let certain things out and keep certain things, keep a lid on certain things. So. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, you don't know. I have no idea what's going on with Clifton Moore right now. I, I certainly hope that he's developing. I have heard no negative things about him, but again, no positive 
uh, news either. So hopefully he's just developing along with the rest of these guys and he's ready to contribute. Maybe it's a thing where he'll have some time this year. I expect him to see the court this year. You have a 6'11 guy, 6'10", 6'11 guy, and you don't have your starting center. I expect him to see the floor. I don't know how much, but hopefully yeah. this is a thing where if he's not a starter right now and he doesn't, you know, he hasn't blown them away, that it's something that he builds towards as a junior and, and then senior year as well. You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, do you think at all, and I know this is hard for you to speculate about not being in there, but, you know, do you think a guy like Evan Fitzner coming in, and, and you think about the kind of player Evan is, he's a big guy, but he's really more of a perimeter-oriented player, not known for banging. You know, kind of a face-up guy, can shoot it, can put it on the floor a little bit. And that's kind of what Clifton was sold as when he came in. You know, do you think having a guy like that where Clifton can see the template for what he could become, could that help his growth as a player having a senior and Evan Fitzner that can, that is, you know, because Deron Davis, I don't know how much Clifton's going to learn from Deron because he's never going to be a back to the basket type offensive player. Could, could that, could that make any impact on Clifton's development? I, I think so, because to, to, to evaluate Clifton more, I think, uh, why didn't he play? And you got to go back and why did we go to the post with Freddie McSwain at 6-6? And to me, it, it, there are two words. And maybe Fitzner can help uh, Clifton with these two words. It is, I think, in order to see the court, he's going to have to be more physical and more decisive. Now, physical doesn't mean low post banging and pushing and shoving, but it just means a, a, the ability to take hits and to do things. The limited time that I saw him play, I thought, he wasn't as physical as a Freddie McSwain turned out to, to be playing those minutes uh, once the injury came out. And I think the other thing is uh, sometimes it's hard for players when they move up a level, whatever it is, and especially from high school to college, to be decisive in your play to maximize your skills. And that's where a Fitzner, uh, a catch and shoot and confident and when to shot fake and when to drive, if he's going to be a pick and pop five like Fitzner, Absolutely, Jared. I think you're spot on there with that. That's a, a reason to bring him in and help him develop and, and play play that role. But sometimes when you recruit a kid and the skill set is great, as Ryan said, it was a great skill set. Sometimes the basketball IQ at the college level is is a little bit difficult. And I think that's one thing that Archie does well. He tries to keep it simple, stupid, and 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 the whole kiss principle and and, and use a, a the college game is complicated, much more complicated complicated than the AAU, as, as we talked about, and very much more complicated than our high school. Um, and to, to give you an idea, we're implementing a defense in our high school, and we met this summer, and there were 32 concepts we had to defend. 32 concepts we had to teach our kids to defend. That's a lot of stuff, and we need to simplify that down. I don't know that he looked too confident in his decision-making, unlike the other freshmen in Durham and Smith. And I think that's why he didn't see the floor. And, and Ryan was right. The expectations were that he was going to play, or you might've redshirted him or, or done something different. And sometimes you don't know what you have till you have it. Uh, and, and that happens in, in recruiting and, and have a player. And our only hope is that he has developed. He has watched the players that have come in. He's watching an Evan Fitzner and his skills then can be used to the benefit of the Indiana program. So quickly here before we break, then what do you think is fair to expect from him? I mean, I mean, it's kind of a you know baseline expectation. Just get in the rotation. You know, are you expecting any more than that? What, what do you think is fair for him as a sophomore? And again, I, I want to be sure. You know, I'm not in the gymnasium, and and so many people make judgments, uh, and they're not in the gymnasium, and that bothers us coaches at, at the level, at every level. But 
I think he's got a he's got to beat out Race Thompson, and he's got to uh, beat out Jake Forster uh, to get into um, the rotation because I think Fitzner's going to play, and I think Morgan's going to play uh, major minutes. And if Duran comes back, um, I think that's his main competition, and, and those guys seem to me to be really uh, moving ahead. So I think he needs to be able to get to the floor, maybe eight minutes at max, or it's another year of watching Fitzner, as you said. My my big takeaway from this segment is that we need to start leaking more positive things about Ryan's performance on the show to improve his confidence. Yeah, no, you really do. My confidence <laughs> suffering clearly. Any uh, Ryan? I know I know you have some final points that you want to make on Clifton. Yeah, uh, Cl- I mean, you know, I, I think that Clifton is a huge wild card. He really is. I mean, if we get it, it, like if we got anything from him this year, it would be so welcome because I don't know what people are expecting. I, I really don't because, and it's not because he wasn't a good recruit or he didn't have potential. It's just, we don't know what to expect. And, and so, you know, it's not like he got into a game at the end of the year and played 15 minutes and, and showed us some flashes and we have something to build off of. He really didn't. And, and so, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect. It could be, I mean, I don't know whether to expect a starter or a guy who does what he did last year and plays in seven games and never really gets involved and, makes two block shots and Jared talks about him for the next nine months. So uh, <laughs> what else is there to talk about? That's like, that's the, the Jer- enduring yeah, memory. It's the Jeremiah April principle, right? Jared? Well, I look, I try to remember these guys, know, positive moments and bring them well, up. It's easy so, to remember that. Like it really well, is because there was nothing yeah. else to remember him by. So right. no, I, I'm not, yeah, I wasn't even saying that in a derogatory way, but I know my tone really uh, is always aimed in that direction. So, <laughs> but no, I, I, I just think that we don't know what to expect and that's, to be it's that's the way it is because of of what we've seen from him which is not much yep all righty uh coming up here in our final segment we answer more of your questions we've got another one of those fun hypotheticals which clifton might actually feature in this one and then another question about a guy that also might be overlooked we'll talk about that on the assembly call stick with us listening to the assembly call we are wrapping up another week talking iu basketball i'm jared morris here with ryan phillips and the coach brian tonsoni and we've got a few more questions from you that we want to get to so let's hop right into these Uh, the first one ryan you'll love this this comes from a guy on twitter who's named extremely west coast guy so i don't know maybe maybe this was maybe this is actually your burner twitter account uh he said do you feel that rob finnessy is being overlooked what do you think ryan I feel I'd like he's it, pretty I, properly respected right now, I feel like. I, well, we I think we do. I think that nationally, certainly he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, and certainly he was last year. It depends what you mean. I think Indiana fans are really excited about him. Uh, maybe not. And, and I've said from the beginning, I don't know if he'll I don't think he'll start to open the year because I think Devontae Green was going to step up. I expected that. But Rob, I think Indiana fans are real excited about what Rob brings. I know we certainly are. But nationally, I would agree that he is getting overlooked. I, I think that he was overlooked last year in the recruiting rankings, uh, heavily over overlooked. And, uh, you know, that just worked to Indiana's favor because he didn't have some of the other big boys come calling on Rob Finsey. Not that he was going to go anywhere else, but he didn't make the job that much harder for Indiana. Co- over under coach on how many games it'll take for Robert Finsey to be your favorite player. Or are we already there? Uh, I, I don't know. A guard who can pass and run the offense is, is just necessary at every level. And I think he's not overlooked uh, 
again, locally, uh, we played against him and he, he just had his way with, with, with our program. But I think he's very important to the success of Indiana next year, uh, being able to come in. And, and we know Devontae hopefully has evened out his play. But if it's not evened out, then there, there's going to be a lot of emphasis on Rob filling in and, and, and picking up that slack and, and maybe even Al a little bit. But, yeah, I think people are going to really enjoy his uh, leadership and his pass first, um, but be able to finish kind of role. Okay, so let's end with this one, a fun hypothetical, which, you know, it's kind of appropriate given how, you know, how many pictures we've seen of Cliff Marshall, you know, of the guys' physiques and how hard they've worked. So this is from Matt. Which of our guys most passed the looks test? So, Ryan, to put this another way, if, if we all went to the Y and we just kind of happened upon the IU team and we had never seen them play and all you've got to go on is what they look like, who are your first few picks off of this IU roster, do you think? Well, Jerome Hunter is right there. I think he's just got that build of a wing guy. Obviously, Romeo Lankford, I think. But with Romeo, he still has a bit of an underdeveloped body in, yeah. in, in some ways. Like if you so, didn't I mean, know Romeo was who he was, would he really yeah, be more impressive might not. than Clifton Moore? I, I think I think Jerome Hunter, I think Race Thompson, and I would say we were just talking about, but Clifton Moore because he's tall and he's got length and you know he's athletic and uh, I think those would be the three of the guys that I would pick. Just not even watching them play, just as you're saying, just see him lined up and, and decide. Race Thompson looks fantastic. He has put on a lot of weight. He's he's well, know, he's he's looks, lost some weight. I mean, he's he's lost well, some I mean, bad he's, weight. He's put, put on, on good weight, weight, is what yeah. I mean. Yeah, and and when we saw him in person, and he looks even better now. But we saw him in person when we were on the floor before the game we went to during our our meetup weekend, and we just all kind of looked at each other like, yeah, no, he's 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 good. He's in good hands. By the way, we're missing the most obvious one here. Coach, I don't want to steal your thunder if this is who you're going to say. Go ahead. No, you go. I, I think we're on the same Justin page here. Smith? Yeah, Justin Smith. Yeah. I mean, I, I picked I picked Hunter instead of Smith, but yeah, it's... Hey, I got a great one, though. I'd pick Demese because hair goals. You know? <laughs> I'm following... A guy with challenge. that hair must be pretty darn good at basketball. <laughs> a guy with that, with that kind of hair, I want to balance off if I'm on the squad. You oh. know, we got to balance the hair issue. I'll pick Demise because hair goals. That was good. You know, I'll tell I'll tell you the other guy would be Al Durham. You know, because if you're looking for a guard, you know, with the way that you know that his physique has kind of has kind of come along and kind of that and tall, lanky arms. guy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've we've I think, have we mentioned every player so far? Have we taken the, <laughs> the super easy? No, Juwan Morgan. Juwan Morgan wasn't mentioned. Well, that's the interesting one. Is Juwan Morgan like he? You know, he doesn't I have took the most athletic Juwan, looking basically. legs. Yeah. I mean, Juwan is a great player. That's the thing. Like, I think Juwan and Romeo, I think, are two guys that you wouldn't pick. But because of their skill level, they're the two you know best players on the team. But I don't know that they I'll would be you, the guys that you would expect to be. I'll we tell have you about the guy 15 t- seconds, Ryan. About two years ago, the guy everybody would have picked was OG Ananobi. When you, when you saw that guy in oh person, he was incredibly impressive. Yes. No Priller. question. and that's the note that we'll end on tonight all right well that'll do it for us on this week's episode of the assembly call if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat join us at assemblycall.com on thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for assembly call wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter you can also text iu to 66866 thank you for listening We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. 
And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.